Welcome to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. I'm glad you found us. My name is Tony Piles, and I'm the pastor here. I pray this recording brings you encouragement and growth in Christ, and we would love for you to join us in person anytime you are in town. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for our current schedule of worship and Bible studies. And may God bring you blessing through what you're about to hear. Thank you. sermon text this morning is taken from Revelation, the end of the book. If you turn there, you find yourself in the book of Concordance, gone too far. Revelation 21 and 22. I'll read the whole, and it is long, so you're welcome to remain seated as I do. But if you would give attention, this is the word of the Lord. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and and at the gates 12 angels. And on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the twelve names 
of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous 
still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we continue in worship this morning, we pray that you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your law. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how many of you remember your high school English teachers, but I have one I will never forget, Mrs. Swisher. But I don't remember her for her love of Shakespeare or for something she said about Hemingway or for encouraging feedback she gave on a paper. I remember her because she scandalized our entire class by telling us that she often read the last page of a book first. Maybe after she'd read the first chapter, but she would skip to the end to see what was coming. And she would look to see if there was something about the ending that intrigued her or if there was a surprise coming that left her wondering, how do we get from where it starts to where it ends. And then she would decide whether she would read the rest or not. As a senior in high school who'd been taught from a young age, right, you, you finish what you start, right? I was taken aback. But I think there's something wonderful in that, actually. To know where we are headed. You've had this experience, I think, if you've watched a movie for the second time. You're able to see and appreciate so much more because you know where it's going. You see the significance of things that happen early because they foreshadow what is to come. You're able to to celebrate 
things that seem small. You're able to weather peril that hits you in the gut the first time because you know where things will end. Beloved, there's great value for us that strengthens our hope to pause and remember the end of all things and to reflect on what is portrayed here for us with the new heavens and the new earth. And the first thing that we see in these two chapters is that the former things have passed away. John tells us that as he describes things, he says it early, he says it in verse 4 of chapter 21, that the Lord will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things that passed away. He draws throughout these chapters on, on imagery that Isaiah uses to talk about the return from exile and how wondrous it will be, but he, he takes it up another level. It's not only that old men will fill out their years and die a hundred years old, but death itself will be wiped away. And all that threatens is done away with. There's this curious comment at the very beginning of the chapter. If you like to sail, or if you like to go deep sea fishing, I don't know what to tell you. Because John says that the sea was no more. <clears throat> that may leave you scratching your head. But for land-bound Israelites who lived in Palestine, the sea was threatening. The sea was a place they were not at home. Even those who sailed the seas were deeply afraid of it. You may think of the book of Jonah. When Jonah gets on this boat to try and get away from the Lord, even though he knows he can't. And the sailors are like, what has happened? Who is mad at us? What is going on? And they're, they're worried. But they're not fearful. Until Jonah tells them that it's the Lord who made the sea and the dry land that he is trying to run away from. That's when they're struck with. Because the sea threatens, the beast comes from the sea. The sea is out of control and, and Jesus is able to quiet the sea with the word. But when we come to the new heavens and the new earth, this body of water that represents everything that causes fear and is threatening to the people of God, has passed away. And it is no longer. I don't know whether there'll be a large lake for sailing. But all that threatens is removed. We see that in the image of the city as well. It has these 12 gates. Gates are defensive. 
right? You close the gates against the enemy, but the gates of this city will always stand open. And there will be no night there. All that threatens is done away with. And all that brings grief is gone. No more death, no more weeping, no more pain, because these things have also passed away. All of the things that strike fear in your heart, all of the things that bring anxiety, that cause you to worry, will find no home in the new heavens and the new earth. Even the things that seem to sparkle now are shown up and passed over. There'll be no sun, no moon, and no stars because the glory of God and of the Lamb will be the light of the city. And rich and powerful kings who gloried in their wealth and the strength of their armies will bring tribute to the king of kings as they walk into this glorious new Jerusalem. The former things have passed away. We also see that the Lord is making all things new. The world itself is made new. This is a physical and embodied hope that we look forward to, but without threat, without decay, without loss, as the earth and the heavens themselves are renewed by the Lord in a way that is mysterious to us and defies our understanding of of physics and astronomy and natural laws. The laws of thermodynamics do not seem to apply. As there's no constant loss of energy that affects the world. Because it's made new. The world is made new, but so is the city of God. As you look at its foundations, as you see symbolized in the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, the fullness of the people of God of old and the people of the new covenant after Christ, all dwelling together. And the city which was destroyed by the Babylonians and then rebuilt and then destroyed again by the Romans is built anew in a way that reflects the glory of God such that no human architect could ever design or execute. That is where God's people also made new will dwell in God's presence.
presence for all eternity. Reflect on that hope. Our shorter catechism asks the question, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? And it answers that the resurrection believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment. That we rejoice in those truths, but there's more. And made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God. To all eternity. Beloved, that is what is pictured here because all things are made new. The world is made new. Jerusalem is made new. But so are we. As those former things have passed away, so our sin also passes away. And yet there is even more than this. The former things have passed away. All things are made new. There's something about the description of this city that's familiar. What kinds of things are described? We hear the shape of the city. We hear of rivers and of trees. And the city reminds us of the temple and of the tabernacle and its decorations and the things that are woven into its curtains and inscribed in panels of these trees and rivers and fruit, but there's something missing. There's something missing. Because what guards the garden as Adam and Eve depart? The cherubim and a flaming sword. Guards posted to bar the way to the tree of life. And what do we find in the curtains of the tabernacle and on the walls of the temple and on the mercy seat? But cherubim, again, who guard the entrance to the holy of holies. And here in this new heavens and new earth, there are no guards. There are no guards. The shape of the city itself is a, is a perfect cube. Its height, its width, its length are all equal. And beloved, the only place we've seen a perfect cube before is the Holy of Holies in Solomon's temple veiled by a curtain that was torn at the crucifixion. So here the access is not guarded, it's not barred. Because we have in this new Jerusalem the realization of what Eden 
was meant to become. God's people dwelling in God's presence in fellowship unhindered in endless delight glorying in their God. Think of the promise to Abraham, promise of a nation and of a land and of God's presence. An echo of what was lost in Eden, realized in miniature and in glimpses along the way, come to fullness here. There's no temple because the whole city is a holy of holies where we live with Jesus, enjoying his presence for all time. The river, the water of life that Ezekiel describes for us, this trickle that comes out from under the threshold of the temple, that becomes a creek, that becomes a river, that flows into the Dead Sea and makes it alive, flows through the center of the city here, the rivers of the water of life. And up and down both sides of this river is not a tree of life fenced around so that we can't get to it, but an orchard or a forest of trees of life under whose shade we can walk, enjoying the Lord and his presence. No barred access to a tree become a forest in the midst of a garden become a garden temple city. And how does John conclude this image with an invitation to come. Hear this hope described. Glory in what is held out to you, the full enjoying of God for all eternity. Know from his warnings that this is for those who belong to Christ and not for those who don't. But he's told, don't seal up the words of this book. Let this hope be known and let the call go forth. If you hear this described and you don't belong to Jesus and you thirst for what is pictured here, come. Come and drink of the water of life without price. Come to Christ. Come to this new city. Stoop down. Take your fill from this river and enjoy the Lord's presence with his people for all time. Beloved, when our hope falters, when we are discouraged by the circumstances around us, by other people, by our own sin, 
Do what Mrs. Swisher taught me. Come back and read the last page. Remember that what we hope for, what we long for, what we look forward to is not a mere wiping away of sins that leaves us with the opportunity to mess up all over again. Not some disembodied sitting on a cloud strumming a harp we don't know how to play, bored for myriads upon myriads of years, but dwelling physically in the presence of our God, in the place he has prepared for us, with all of the former things passed away, in unhindered fellowship with God's people and with God himself in the fullness of resurrection. (laughs) Beloved, let this be your hope and your strength. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you that our hope, the hope of the gospel is not an empty hope, not a boring hope, but a glorious and certain hope as we look forward to the things that you have prepared for us. We thank you for those aspects of this hope that we enjoy now in the pouring out of your spirit in uniting us to Christ in fellowship with God's people and the assurance of forgiveness. But Lord, would you draw our vision up beyond ourselves, beyond what lies in front of us to these things that we may look forward to enjoying for all time. May we draw comfort from these last pages of your word as we walk in this world between Christ's ascension and our resurrection. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for more teaching and for our current schedule of events if you'd like to drop in. We pray this recording has been a blessing to you. Go in peace.